Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. This season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. This episode was recorded prior to the SAG after strike. Unpacking the Toolbox is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. I'm watching the episode that we're talking about today, and I'm like, do you remember conversations Shonda would have where it's like, they would give such shit about sexual stuff on the show, but like violence or death was like fair game. Did it matter? Yeah. And I'm just like refreshing myself on the end of season two, which is where we're currently at. There's just guns held at people's heads all the time. Yeah. Constantly. Yeah. Motherfuckers are eating donuts right before they're about (laughs) to get shot. Abby's holding a gun. I'm holding a gun. And then Charlie's holding a gun at David Rosen. Oh, that's right. And then Jake Ballard has a gun because he's about to take down Charlie. It's just like, why don't we? And Adam, Adam just did like the top gun thing. He just did John Wick prequel series, which is literally gun porn. It's like, how many (laughs) fucking things can we fucking light up? Yeah. What is that? I haven't seen any of the John Wicks, but I hear there's somebody just went to see it, a friend of mine, and said it was super violent. And it's like one of the most popular franchises, right? People. There's like, what, five, part oh, five yeah. now I or four? No I don't even fucking like know. that in the fucking Fast and the Furious. I have no idea what's going on. I've never but seen it. But you're right. It's gun like. Gun porn. Yeah. And my son is like obsessed. Oh, he is? Well, yeah. He just is like, I, you know, I want swords. I want Stuff blowing guns. Up. I want yeah. shields. Oh, yeah. Everything is yeah. good guy, bad guy. Did you play like that when you were a little kid or no? No, I played with like a Donald Duck doll <laughs> that you would press his hands and he would walk. His legs would move. You would press his right hand and his left leg would move. Typical fucking gay <sighs> shit. Like I loved all the dolls. I loved all the superhero dolls and Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck, all that stuff. Have you been in real fights in your life? <sighs> Just like two, but I don't like it and I'm not good at it at all. <laughs> I'm not. I get very scared. Like, I'll defend myself, but I'm still super. I, I don't like it. I don't like it. Like, did you get ever get hit or hit someone in the face? Like, when you were a kid growing up? I've never done that. I did once. I did. I hit someone in the face, and I've been hit in the face. Yeah. Was it terrible? Yeah. It was almost <laughs> like I blacked out. Like, afterwards, I was like, I don't even remember doing that. It was just like a reflex to, yeah. you know, I was yeah. just being Protect provoked. yourself, like fight yeah. or flight. Like, you went into, exactly. like, animalistic mode. Yeah. But then it stopped. It didn't. It wasn't like a a continued fight. I would have friends that would be fighting on the street for like 15 minutes, like taking their shirts off, like, let's go, like taking, you know, their shoes off. I was like, what are you people doing? Like, oh, my God. I remember in high school, the girls fighting like way worse than the guys. The girls were the the worst. Like fucking ripping their hair out and fucking dreads and shit out of their hair. Bad, bad, Girls like bad black shit. out. Girls, I mean, I said I blacked out, but girls black the fuck out. They don't care. You can't pull them apart. 
No. Can this like not happen to my kids? No fighting. Fighting is bad. Yeah. But they're still fucking doing it. I think they are. Well, and then, you know, we're, we're brought up, especially boys being like, fuck yeah, you got to fight, defend yourself. You got to learn how to fight, learn a fight, fight. You know, it, it becomes like this thing that you feel you need to be good at or that it's a good thing that you could beat somebody up like that's not good it's fucking no it's not good and also like why even let it get to that and i was kind of lucky to i was sort of friends with everyone i don't know how but i was like a theater girl and i was on the dance team and a few things but i think being an adult is so much harder because my anxiety, I didn't have that mm. when I was a kid. And now it's worse than it's ever oh, been. God, like, right? Just like my real life worries Yo, about everyone. so it true, Katie. Do I you ever think it. back? I think back on the times when I first started acting and doing plays and everything and having no anxiety whatsoever. Me I was either. fearless. Me and too. I think back on those times and I'm like, wow, like I, I wish I could f- feel that again. You know what Me I mean? Too. And of, of course, there's fleeting moments when you feel that way, but you're right. There's so much crap that we're dealing with. There's just real life worries. Yeah. Like I didn't worry. Yeah. Like, and look, that is such a fucking privilege. Like, obviously, I wasn't worried about food or like rent or right. like you know because there right. are kids that have those fucking worries, of course. Yeah, which is awful. Ooh, and food. I food. Did have... you say food? <laughs> <laughs> you know, what we have to talk to Betsy about. That what? she used to host the Scandal podcast. Yes. I was thinking about that earlier. Yeah. And I want to ask her all about, like, how did she first hear that that the meeting went great and, like, come on board and was she into it from the start? And then we have to talk to her all about reading stage directions at Scandal. Yes. I thought about that, too. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And she was a comedian and an actress. Yes, in New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Start the clock! <laughs> Betsy Beers, y'all. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? I feel like you always say that. I love it so much. I do. Not as much as I love your last name, Beers, because I would love four right now. (laughs) Who wouldn't? And it's only, (sighs) what, 11 o'clock here. Where are you, Guillermo? Are you in LA? I'm in LA, so it's 11 o'clock. You're morning drinking, which is the best. Right? Right? Because we're coming out at the time of this recording of a three-day weekend, we just are feeling very... Like, whoa, we really had a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday situation and our brains not firing probably at the level that Betsy Beers is. No, minus, Beers minus, is minus a big sleepy pile of poo. Um, <laughs> what's fun about this episode, too, is it's the episode before the last episode, which like I remembered really well because we did that table read. Yes. In front of a live audience. Yeah. In front of a live audience. And. When we gave the last line, which I'm not going to give away for anybody who hasn't seen the show, which probably makes no sense because everybody <laughs> listens to this like, gosh, I hope you've, you've seen the show. But that right. there's that last line. And I remember because I was doing stage direction, we were in. Were we at the Dolby? It was some scary, weird situation. Big theater. It was a big theater, right? And yeah. I remember we all had to stop because the screaming just for anybody who doesn't know what the hell I'm talking about, I don't blame you. So we did a season finale table read. I think it was for charity. I think it was for charity too, yeah. We did this table read and there were about, oh, I don't know, four or 500 people there. And obviously the actors had already shot it, so it was, we all knew what was going to happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Which often, by the way, we didn't. We don't, yeah. But it was one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had because I got to the last line, which as we all know is dad. Dad? None of these people had seen the episode. We literally did it right as the episode was airing. I remember we just we all just sat there and looked at each other. Yeah. While people were sweating and screaming and running up and down the aisles, and it was pretty great. It was insane. 
mean? I remember Debbie Allen jumping out of her seat <laughs> like a mad woman and cheering. And I'm like, and she's in Shondaland. And even she was like, oh, my God. Yeah, she must not have known. It was so crazy. But, Betsy, tell our listeners two things. One, you used to host... The Scandal Podcast. That's right. It was called Scandal Revealed, and I forced every single one of these poor yeah. actors to be on it like 800 times over the course of the period <laughs> but of the show. Like, you knew before, like podcasts are obviously such a thing now, but my yeah. God, Betsy, you were hosting, correct me if I'm wrong, was it Grey's Scandal? We did Scandal? Grey's Anatomy, then we did Scandal, then we did Shondaland Revealed, and then people oh, became shit. tired and had to lie down. So I... <laughs> I got out of it, and then, of course, it got really popular. So I can do my FMS. Wow. It just means that Betsy's always <laughs> at the beginning of the bell curve. She knows what's hot before everyone else knows what's hot. Her timing's so good that she gets out just when it gets hot. No, uh, that is not the case. Now, wait. Listen. But I remember everyone talking about going on the Scandal Revealed podcast. And look, Betsy is... You're so famous in life and in, in Shondaland for just, well, you were an actor. Tell us, like, yes, you're the greatest, one of the most prolific producers in all of television history. And you are an actor and a comedian, which makes you amazing at hosting podcasts and the best stage direction reader at a table oh, read that's best. ever existed. So tell us what you did on the <clears throat> podcast originally. Start there. Okay, so on the podcast originally, the first podcast we did was Grey's Anatomy, I think. I don't remember if it had a catchy name, except <laughs> it was Shonda and me, and it was like, I don't know if it was season two or season three, but we started doing this because in those days, not that many people were doing podcasts, and everybody was really excited about Grey's Anatomy. And Shonda, believe it or not, at that period of time, didn't talk as much. She was not right. that vocal. All she was doing was kind of working, and everybody sort of wanted to know it was in her brain. And so we started doing this thing where we would start every podcast night. She'd go, I'm Shonda. And I'd go, I'm Betsy. And we'd go, and this is Grey's Anatomy. And <laughs> then we would, I would just ask a bunch of questions where I'd say, oh man, this week was really hard. You know, can you believe this week? This week just was so hard. She'd go, I know we were in so late doing X, Y, and Z. And then we'd ask questions about the story. And, and that's sort of where I learned how to ask questions because it's not like we had a script or anything like, yeah, I just asked her shit and then we talk about stuff and then I give my opinions as to what I felt about things. And the only thing I remember about that podcast was for some reason, for some reason it was around the holidays and we got obsessed talking about wrapping paper. <laughs> oh my God. She's obsessed with wrapping paper. It was, you know, the holiday cliffhanger and all we did i think was talk about wrapping paper which is just <laughs> probably Perfect why it stopped podcast banter and then moved from the gray's anatomy one to the scandal one it was just like a big excuse to hang out with the actors and the crew and stuff or anybody's listening because this is like in the hall of television fame the most incredibly great cast in the world, like just, and we've been really lucky with our cast, so it's not to disparage any of our other phenomenal cast, but you all were really close and also just, you were game for anything, you poor things. so. Yeah. Oh my gosh, we were so game. I'd go like, hi, here's the opening of envelope, and you'd be like, it's cool, we'll go. Let's do it. It's good, yeah. it's just, it's an envelope, envelopes are good. We like envelopes. <laughs> I remember going into your office to to do the podcast, to be a guest on it, it, it was always so exciting to go into the, the Shondaland offices and 
your office and I was always just like, oh, this is so fun and exciting. And You had a cool office. I Tell did. the yeah. listeners, what was the history behind that Sunset Gower office? The deal was <laughs> we were at Sunset Gower and I got Harry Cohn's all office. And none of you will know who Harry Cohn was, but Harry Cohn pretty much started Columbia Pictures. I think it was Columbia. Oh, wow. And this was during the period of time in which there were like big moguls, like the Goldwyns were yeah. sort of a mogul family. And that was a whole funny yeah. thing when Tony came in that office. But this office was so intense. It was like all wood paneled. Yep. It looked like a really scary, gigantic study. It had yep. a bathroom yes. off of it that used to have like a barber shop or like a beauty shop or whatever. And then it had a secret door. So Harry Cohn, who was a dirty dude, could get the girls in and out without anybody knowing. No. Oh, yeah. Oh, I remember oh, yeah. seeing that. I mean, you told me that when I was in there. I was like, oh, I mean, it's classic wow. Hollywood, classic old Hollywood. And then later I started realizing it was used in all these movies. So like my husband and I were watching The Way We Were randomly. Oh, yeah. I love it. And the studio head is like sitting in my office and I'm like, what? Huh. Yeah. The other thing that was really cool was like every time we'd get really short on budget money for any show, like How to Get Away with Murder, we used it like three times as different things because they'd be like, oh, our budget's really stressed this episode. I'd go, well, what can you use the office for? And we'd go, gentleman's club. <laughs> Perfect. College president. <laughs> so it was all so good. Um, I want to hear about when you first found out like that Judy and Shonda had met and were you like, okay, I arranged, is, I arranged that. You arranged oh, that. Oh, okay. So take us through that. Yeah. How did you meet Judy? So I met Judy through my agent, whose name is Larry Sauls, who's great is at UTA. And he had called me and said, we're repping this woman that I think you, I just think you would really respond to and sent me all this information and material. And I took one look at it and I was like, this is such an interesting idea of what this woman does for a living. And that, and we were both, Shonda and I have always been obsessed with politics. We've always been obsessed with journalism. I was like, I think she's really going to respond to this. I think she would be a really good basis for a show. And at that point, we were like buried under Grey's Anatomy in private practice. And we were starting to produce for other people. And she was sort of like, I don't want to, don't give me anything. So we arranged this meeting. And Judy Smith walked in, and she was wearing this white suit. Come on. And she was, I mean, Judy, as you all have probably seen her, she's like beautiful. She's glamorous. She had this long brown yeah. hair. She's tall. She's thin. She's very statuesque yes. and graceful. And she so like gets to the point right away stuff. Yes. Five minutes in, she's talking, and Shonda looks at me, and she mouths, fuck you. Ugh. Because she knew she wanted to, she was like, I'm doing this. Wow. I'm doing this. Yeah. Like, I don't want anybody else to do it. I want, I don't want, I want to do it. And then it kind of got put on the back burner for a while because she was so busy. And then little by little by little, we have these conversations and she was sort of playing with these different pieces and eventually came up with a totally fictionalized and only inspired by version of Judy Smith, which of course was Olivia Pope. Wow. I know. I wonder what was going through Judy Smith's brain while she was meeting with Shonda. Was she like, was she in on it? Like, did, did she think, okay, they might do a show about my life? Oh, I think she was pitching herself as a show about a life. Like she was wow. sort of like life rights type situation. Yeah. But she really liked us too. I then became closer to Judy for a while. So mm -hmm. as the process was sort of going on, but yeah, she, I think was, 
she was into it. And then yeah. there were some other people who were interested, but we strong armed our way in. Nice. Betsy <laughs> yeah. Beers. I know. Do you remember like the casting process? Oh, yeah. You were, were you were in my auditions. Thank God. Oh, yeah. God. You were there for and, me, like, too. You were in every yeah. one. I love me those rooms. <laughs> is it your producerial brain that loves it? Or is it like your... I, I mean, you have to tell us about your acting stand-up comedy situation and Very how you brief. even came out here. <laughs> it's a brief story. Basically, I studied acting from when I was a kid. My dad was an agent. He died when I was little. They were always like, she should be an actress. She should be an actress. And it was one of those things where everybody tells you and you're like, okay. Okay. And I could memorize lines really easily, which I guess was all I thought was necessary, <laughs> which is really depressing. But I acted all the way through elementary school, high school, college. I did summer theater. And I remember in college, they were sort of like, you shouldn't act. You should direct. And I was like, I know. Really? I know. It was really cruel. My mouth is on the ground. I'm like, how dare they? And all they did at those days, because this was like in 1842 when I was in college. And all they <laughs> did up. was like Brecht. But they do it like as a Western. Aye, oh, aye, my aye. God. Nobody wants that. It was like no. this period of time where... Nobody was having any fun. Everybody was just doing like really, really serious plays. And I found out that I was like funny because we did one or two things that weren't. And they were sort of like, yeah, you, if you did anything, the only thing you could kind of do is like musical comedy and stuff. I was okay, fine. So I ended up doing some summer theater and then I went to New York and I joined this improv group. And that was really, to me, really easy. Right. Well, because you're so smart and so instinctual. God, but it was also, yes. I liked, I liked sort of the producing aspect of it, I discovered. Mm. And I also was taking acting classes and like the acting teachers would pull me aside and go, you're not making a very good argument for your character. Uh. You're letting the other person in this conversation just, and I'd be like, well, I get their point. Like, I understand their point of view. Like, I think they're right. I think You're I'm, too smart. I think I'm being a dick. That's why. No, it was because I can see all the points of view, which make me a better producer. Producer, yes. Than an actor. Yes. Interesting. Betsy, did you ever do a guest spot on any of the shows? Did you no. ever, like, were you ever in front of the camera? Would you ever want to be? No. And I, I, honestly, this, I don't know how you all do it. Honestly, I don't know how we do it either. Like, really? Like, it's I was, fucking hard. I was watching this episode last night and I'm like, I said to Bruce, my husband, who is also, of course, the legal consultant on the show, what was like, I remember intellectually, but I forgot emotionally was how much freaking story is in there. I mean, oh, it's, oh my God. I was like, okay, so hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. So they are having an affair and then she left. Oh, I'm like, who is the fucking mole? Yes, What yes. is happening? And then Jake shows up with the mole and then I was like, the mole is with the the Chiron card or whatever the hell it's uh, yeah, called. Yeah, the Citron, yeah, the Citron, Citron yeah. card yeah. in that. I remember Abby stole the card and put it in the safe, but I yes. totally forgot that David was the guy who actually who, was the guy who stole it. Yes. And then the introduction to Charlie and I remember casting Charlie. Oh. Really? Like all this stuff came back. Shonda couldn't be there, and we kept seeing these people. And she was looking at auditions and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we had this conversation. She was like, "Okay, I want somebody unexpected." And we kept seeing these people who were like, "Really like killers and serial killers." And yeah. I kind of go, "This guy's good." She's kind of like, "No, no, 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 no." It's like a guy, like a normal guy. And Linda Lowy, the brilliant casting director, totally pivoted, and we brought George in, and we're all like, "Oh." Best. This is such a nasty idea. Brilliant. Because he seems so nice. But also we needed somebody who really contrasted with you, Huck. So yeah. 
this middle-aged, this middle-aged, yeah. like what's his big movie? Father that loves the father br- of the bride, father, yes. father of the bride, and he looks like he's dropping his kids off at soccer practice. Oh, yes. yeah, you know, totally, which yeah. makes him frightening. Which makes him so frightening when they made him a sugar freak. Yes, <laughs> and the whole sort of opening thing about he's like. He's like having sex with this woman for the laptop. I mean, <laughs> oh my God, bird work. The <laughs> bird nerdy girl woman. lady. Yes. We'll be right back, guys. Summon your anticipation for an all new season of our favorite Netflix series, Bridgerton. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? And meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. And I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. Before we talk about this episode really quick, one last question. How did you become this, the Shondaland special sauce yeah. that you read the stage directions yeah. for Grey's Anatomy, Private Practice, Scandal, How to Get Away, I'm sure Bridgerton, Bridgerton. Queen Charlotte, Inventing Anna. Betsy was like a character in the show doing the stage directions. And for people that don't understand what the stage directions are, they're sort of the description of what's happening, you know, in between all the scenes. Sometimes it'll describe what, you know, the feeling that a person is is feeling and and it's usually super boring, right? But Betsy would come in and just make it so freaking exciting. And you're but you matched our pace too. Your pace you was had to. on point. You have to. Yeah. Because people will fall asleep. Yeah. <laughs> people fall asleep. And yeah. the thing that I realized, because having actually been an actor, albeit a bad one, how difficult it is if you are actually reading with people, which I found when I would read with actors, is if you suck. Are you really dead? It's really hard for the actor to do the best job, right? Of course, to it's lift so up out of that. It's so much heavy lifting. Yeah. Number two, I learned how to do it to some degree in pilots because I was selling the pilot to the studio network. Mm. So a lot of it was, how do I help sell this pilot? Mm. And I was like the stealth seller. And I just, I feel like what started to happen was when everybody started realizing that somebody was reading stage directions and they were paying attention that started on Scandal, all the writers started writing more stage directions. And then... <laughs> so to hear you say... Just to humiliate me. And then Shonda, <laughs> all the sex scenes normally would have just been sort of sex scenes. They started putting in every detail. <laughs> and it was the best. <laughs> just to force me to read it. Then they started putting in songs that they wanted me to sing that I then refused to sing. So then they would put other stuff in... It turned into a thing that was actually really fun. It's the best. And these scandal table reads were famous. Like, yeah. sometimes you go into a table read and it's really, like, respectful and kind of quiet and everyone's sort of on edge and Not scared. Us. And, like, scandal was, like, a fucking raucous. That was like a revival meeting. Yeah. And what's yeah. great about <laughs> Betsy is, like, sometimes you would be at these table reads and you'd be watching some of the best actors we have, the best stage actors in our country, right? So you're watching someone who would you would pay a $350 Broadway ticket to see Jeff Perry 
and Kate Burton going head to head or whatever. Trained actors and Betsy's like right in there in the scenes yes. doing crazy descriptions at their pace, matching their energy, <laughs> resetting us. And then everyone who's listening, it was like a show. Everyone was like, yeah. oh, no, or like, yeah. oh, shit, or like, you know, ooh, yeah. or like there's sexy. It was crazy. Do you also just remember, too, like we had to limit the number of executives who would show up? Oh, because everybody wanted to come to their table reads. You may not have known this, but there are periods of time where there was limited access to the table reads because either a plot point, but mainly because it was like we were just always overrun. And I have to tell you, small brag, I was doing the table read for How to Get Away with Murder, and it was this pivotal episode. And Denzel Washington randomly came. (gasps) I guess because he was doing Fences with Viola. Oh, and Denzel Washington complimented my table. Good God what? And I was like, Almighty. I'm good. I could die now. <laughs> and the thing is, you, you would get those scripts when we got them. Like, you didn't get them ahead of time and sort of go over this, the stage directions. I don't know how much everybody's talked about this, but basically it was like this crazy Django where they'd start the season and they'd dig a hole. The writers and Shonda would just like dig a hole, get in the hole dump dirt on themselves and then figure out the rest of the way to get out of the season. (laughs) And they had an idea as to what was going to happen, but it was such an incredibly complex puzzle that without a doubt, like nobody would see scripts until, do you remember they were hot? Hot! Oh yeah, literally hot off the press, yep. We need the ticking clock. Like it really helped Scandal, I think, because- For this show, exactly. Yes, the vibe was everyone is stressed. It's like we're all freaking yeah. because it's all so high stakes. Well, and you're all finding out information in real time with the audience yes. anyway for the most part. So, yes. yeah. Okay, let's talk about episode 221 because Betsy Beers is one of the most, like I said, prolific producers in Hollywood. She's busy. I know this is way more fun. <laughs> we're talking about episode 221, which was called Any Questions, which aired on May 9th, 2013. It was written by Matt Byrne. Matt who Byrne, is- Matty Byrne, longtime member of the family and has written yeah. prodigiously even on the recent Inventing Anna starring Katie Lowe's, of course. Love him. He worked on Queen Charlotte. He's phenomenal, and he wrote this in a very Maddie Byrne way. And I think very it was directed by Mark Tinker. <gasps> it was yes, directed, directed by, by Mark Tinker. Tinker. Yes, yes, so Mark yes. Tinker, longtime member of the Shondaland family. He was the producing director on Private Practice and has worked on many shows and was a big factor in an old medical show called St. Elsewhere, which we love were all obsessed with, <gasps> I believe. Elsewhere. Love him, love him. But Mark's hysterical and great. But Mark directed a few episodes of Scandal, he right? He did. And he directed my one guest star episode of Private Practice Pri- where Private I Practice. left my baby in the backseat of a car and it asphyxiated. Oh, you did. You did. You killed your child. Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> this episode is guest starring. Guest starring. Scott Foley is Jake Ballard. Joe Morton is Mysterious Man. Dan Bogatinsky is James Novak. George Newburn is Charlie. Kate Burton is Vice President Sally Langston. Matt Lesher is Billy Chambers. Brian Lesher is Tom Larson. Samantha Sloyan is Janine. Alexander Greer is Patrick, the White House staffer. Christy Myers is Perky Countergirl, B613 operative. And also John Barrowman as The Fixer. I was just about to say John Barrowman, who I think the same year we oh. had in a pilot called The Gilded Lilies, where he played a brother. And Katie, he's a huge like Broadway guy. He's also Doctor Who, right? Yes, he's in Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah. He was in a show called Central Park West. Years ago, which was the first time I saw him on anything. And he's he's wonderful. And he's hot as fuck. And he's hot as yeah. fuck. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing I thought was very funny, which is 
the actress who plays Janine, actually looks like Jen Psaki, the former White House correspondent. Looks so much like Jen Psaki, it's uh, weird. Oh, yeah! Okay, to remind our listeners what happens in this, we're going to read the synopsis. There's so much, listeners. Just There's buckle so your seatbelts. There's so synopsis much. Here's the synopsis at Scandal Pace. Are you ready, G? Yes. Okay. As Cyrus dodges questions about Fitz's affair, the OPA team tries to track down the mole once and for all. Fitz tells Olivia and Cyrus that he's not planning on running again, which Olivia uh-uh. is okay with uh-huh. as long as it means they can be together. Oh, yeah. Kissy, kissy. But when Cyrus learns that Fitz might not have planned to run regardless, Olivia convinces him not to throw away his presidency. Plus, Charlie shows up seeking Olivia's protection, but instead almost gets killed by Huck. Luckily, after Huck gets the name of the mole, Quinn convinces Huck to That's let Quinn. Charlie live, which turns out to be a bad plan when the Cytron card goes missing. Uh-oh. Everyone thinks they know what happened to it, but nope. David Rosen is revealed to be the one who stole it. What? <gasps> And that, folks, is our episode. <laughs> Betsy, Go what watch were your it. favorite scenes from this ep? Oh. I think mine, okay, the Cyrus ripping James a oh, new asshole. That and, is so painful, but so good. And Yo. he had a lip quiver at the end that I was like, this oh. motherfucker got the Emmy. He got the and then, guest star Emmy yes. for this role. <laughs> but don't you think that he, there's two scenes in it, the two scenes that go together are the, Sai, will you let me be a reporter? Sai, will you let me be a reporter? Sai, will you let me be a reporter? And, he, and Sai is totally distracted. isn't paying any attention to him. And they're going to let me be on air. They're going to let me be on air. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going like, sure, sure, sure. And then the flip side of it, which is you see sweaty James with Melly. Yeah. It's the perfect it's the kind of like three scene beat. It's like a play. Their, it is. their story is a play. Yeah. I came to the realization watching this episode and watching those scenes with Jeff Perry flipping out, blowing his top like he does. And I thought, that is the reason that why Jeff Perry, the actor, is always so chill. He has that, I just had an amazing orgasm vibe. Well put. You know what I mean? He's so chill and relaxed. And I'm like, it's because he got that shit all out doing these scenes in Scandal, like for seven seasons, right? Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> and like, Jeff Perry marches down a hallway pissed better than anybody I've ever seen in my oh, life. Do God. you know that one, that shot when he's walking down the tunnel? Oh my yes. God. Doesn't he take his jacket off? He's amazing. I'm also obsessed with Jeff Perry's hair, but that's a different issue. Oh, my God. <laughs> He's got this great sort of like puffy hair in this, which he is does. just, just he awesome. He totally, totally does. I love that scene. I love the scene with Olivia and Cyrus Oof. outside in the park that used to be a graveyard, remember? And then at the end, Olivia says, it also used to be a zoo. Which I don't that get scene- that. What does that mean? Well, I think... I mean, there's still animals there. Exactly, yeah. Hey, it used to be a zoo, so we fit right in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's such a great scene. I also loved, weirdly, all the voyeuristic stuff, which was Foley... Sorry, Jake. (laughs) I know. I call him Foley. Foley, I love it, I love it. Um, But Jake, the constant scenes of him watching himself having sex with Olivia, which is just... Ugh. I want to make fun of him so bad. I text him that all the time. I'm like, yep, I'm on the episode where you're watching yourself throw Olivia on the counter oh, again, Jesus you Christ. fucking weirdo. <laughs> sometimes we have to look down. Katie and I have, have said this, that sometimes we're watching an episode where Fitz and Olivia or, or oh, you know, Scott and Olivia there's a or lot Jake and Olivia there. are having sex. And I can't look at the screen because I'm like, we know them. They're our friends. It's like, oh, what are you doing? I have to say it is. <laughs> It's weirder now that we've all known each other for so long. Yes, yes, yes. That I was watching this stuff and I, I would have flashes of like, God, I remember going to the, the Democratic National Convention with Tony, what, 2016 or whatever it was, and Tony and his wife. And 
all anybody could see was that. Oh, yeah. Women were obsessed, oh. obsessed with, with him. Yeah. And I got it. They still are. It's yeah. really wild. Wait, another one? The freaking Harrison oh. Dean. Oh, and Olivia, yes. Where he's like, end game. What is- You're my client, yeah. Oh, and so also good. this weird thing where she's passing the torch. Yes, yes. I love that scene because it's the first time she tries to patch the torch a couple of times over the yeah. course of the series. But this, yeah. I think, is the first time you see her say, I'm out. And I just kept thinking how emotionally, incredibly disappointing it is, how she always has to do the right thing. And they did one thing wrong. Yeah. Which was a big thing. Oh, they just rigged a little election. <laughs> hey. You know. They did one thing wrong, but that over and over and over again, she has to to sacrifice that thing, you know, where in the episode before where they sit and they watch the clock and the yeah, album leaves stuff. the time run out. The oh. album leaves stuff comes mm-hmm. in, like, which is just like, oh my God. And you know, Melly's talking and she realizes that it's actually really going to happen. And then she starts this episode and she's, she's like lighter. And I keep watching the costumes too, in terms of what people are wearing, like, She's in a slightly sort of like, it feels slightly airier. And then little by little by little, you see it dawn on her, and it's a genius of Carrie, like you see it dawn on her over the course of the episode that they can't Can't do do this, that Cyrus is right. That he needs to get a second term and he's got to win. I know you're right. Her acting at the beginning of this episode, there's so much about her like, oh my God, I'm going to get what I want. I'm going to not live this life. I'm going to be with the man that I love. I can have normal or whatever, you know, whatever that means Mm -hmm. to her. And then you watch it slowly, act by act, break down. She's holding on to it and she's passing over OPA. She's done being a fixer. She can do it. She can do it. And in that scene you guys were talking about, the zoo, she's still holding on to it. And then she starts, there's that part where Cyrus is like, don't do this to me. Don't do this to us. Then she finds out about the paper that he never submitted. That's right. Oh, the paper. What's it called? What's it called? The um thing saying that he wants to, to, to run to run, to run again. again. He yes, never yes, submitted yes. it because he didn't think he deserved it. And so she ends their relationship again. It's just like Yeah. They keep us on this line, man. For Hell seven yeah. seasons. They keep us on this they line. They super, super do. But then I also am like, I was so delighted about the fact that Charlie makes an entrance and now there's a Charlie in the world as well. But also, I just have to say for the record, and I will prove myself to be the idiot I am, I totally had forgotten that Billy Chambers comes back. Oh, I forgot too. I watched I was like, oh, Billy Chambers. Billy Chambers. Oh my God. Liz, you're not alone. (laughs) I The last time I saw Billy Chambers was he was stabbing somebody with scissors. Yeah. 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 I totally forgot that Billy Chambers is in the car. Which, by the way, speaking of table reads, sometimes y'all would do that to us too, which is we wouldn't know what the storyline, what was happening. And then all of a sudden, Billy Chambers would come back or. Greg Henry or somebody yeah. who hadn't been around in two years or something. And then they come yeah. back and we're like, what are yeah. you doing here? And like, we've learned that way that they're going to be a part of it. Oh, and how long did it take me to understand that Billy and Tom are brothers? <laughs> Matt and Brian Lesher. Yeah. Matt and Brian Lesher. Great <laughs> actors. It took me like, it wasn't until somebody said, you know, they're brothers. <laughs> I was like, really? 
Wait, so we learned that Charlie took the Cytron card, but it's okay. No. Well, we think he did, we but it was really it was really Rosen. It was David Rosen. Yes. And he gave it to Billy Chambers. Because David Rosen is not happy with the election fraud. And he, yes. he keeps making yeah. it clear no one's listening to him. All he wants to know is like, who's Fitz having sex with? And you all did this really funny thing where you keep oh, yeah, going. I love that part. They take their heads and they look around a lot or they dip their heads down. <laughs> yeah, and look then, down, look at each other. And he's like, oh, I wonder who's banging the president. And we all know it's Olivia. So we're like, do, 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 do. It was also this great moment where Quinn obviously knows how to dismember a body at this point. You look at Huck and you're so pleased with yourself. And Abby says, ooh, baby Huck. Ooh, baby Huck. I say some shit about hacking. We're like trying to send a Trojan horse to Sally Langston's daughter. That was it. I love the Sally Langston thing. And then it's David Rosen who comes up with the thing. Yeah, who's like, we got to get the meanest mean girl. Which is so true. That's so so true. He was so on it. Oh, my God. And then there's that really funny picture of this girl with this nose before nose job. Oh, my God. That was was so vicious. Gigantic. They must have built that. Like, it looked so terrible. Jeez. What glue did you use? And, like, to keep that it was like schnozzola a, it, on her face. Wow. She was like the Wicked Witch in The Wizard of Oz. Like, that's yes. ridiculous. I was like, is that like Shylock from Merchant of Venice? Like, <laughs> nice what Shakespeare hell? reference, Katie. <laughs> Way to bring the level of the podcast up. It looked really ridiculous. <laughs> I was like, this is so insane. Um, wait, some fun <laughs> facts about this episode. Sally says the name of the previous episode, A Woman's Scorn. She's doing a walk and talk down the White oh, House yeah. hallways with Jeff and she's like trying to find out information. Yeah. Melly's going to come out tonight. She's going to say it. And well, you know, like the Bible says, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. And Jeff says something like. Not everything's in the Bible, Sally. Yeah. We should do the whole series again. And Guillermo should play Cyrus oh, and Sally. Yeah. Okay. Since it wasn't said last time and has been said in almost every episode so far, according to the timeline within the Scandal universe, Billy has been missing for a year and six months. This is what I'm saying to y'all. Like, <laughs> this is what I'm saying. What no. the hell? What's the deal? Right? Yeah. I mean, where'd he go? What's he been doing? But how exciting when he pops back up, right? It's amazing. People are like, what the fuck? It's amazing. Yo, one thing that I loved is that one of the opening scenes when Jeff Perry, when Cyrus goes to Olivia's apartment huh. and is trying to get into the apartment and he's yelling at Tom and the other guy, the other yeah, security guy, yeah. blowing his top again. I know. And then don't you love it when he tries to go back again and he has the assistant lie to get him in? Oh, yes. And he gets there and the same thing happens. Yeah. This time it's Jake. <laughs> it's just like that man cannot get in that woman's apartment no matter what he does. Also, my God, how much sex do Fitz and Olivia have to have in this series? It's like unbelievable. As I always say, I think most of us, it either makes you feel like that's incredible or I just feel bad about my life. Yeah, I just. <laughs> What's wrong like, with me? I always think like, God, did they have to shoot that at 5 a.m. on like a Monday? You know what oh, I mean? I always oh, think yeah, like, what yeah, logistically yeah. was it like at work that day? Oh, 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 teacher, teacher, teacher. Also, yes, Betsy yes. Beers. Betsy Beers. Thank you. <laughs> Did Josh Molina have a cold or the flu when we were filming yes. that episode? Yes. Oh my God, Betsy, I thought the same thing. I remember that there was a couple of episodes where he was like really sick. When he was describing the nose, I turned to Bruce and I said, I remember this because I remember we didn't know if we could shoot with Josh because 
I think Josh had the flu or something. You could hear it in his voice. Oh, you could hear it. He was literally yeah. saying like his this. lines like this. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. no, someone's got oh, a cold. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what's so funny? In this post-COVID world, like... That would have never happened. Things have changed so much where, like, if you're really sick like that, like, you can't go on a set and expose all of your castmates. But the seven years of Scandal, we used to work. Oh, with sick full on fucking flus. Oh yeah, like just get it done. If you can stand and you can walk, you can act. Get it together. Yep. The only rule was you couldn't do love scenes if you like had a fever or lots and lots of snot. Right. right. So yeah. that was the only kind of Waterloo. But everybody would show up like hacking. Oh yeah, just feeling diarrhea. Sick. Oh yeah, oh, tired of it. Vomiting. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't like a little diarrhea? <laughs> thrown in? Oh. <laughs> Gee, did you ever not have to not come because you were so sick? No. I remember the one time I almost didn't come, they sent a doctor to my house. <laughs> to make sure you could? <laughs> yeah, and she gave me like a shot and like a Z-pack and I was fine the next day. Yeah, I mean, fine enough. How about when you came to work and you'd been in the emergency room the whole night before because you by accident were at a restaurant and had oh, nuts God, and you're definitely nuts. allergic and your whole body blew up? Yes. <laughs> and then I got a cold sore on my lip and we had to do that sex scene in the conference room and Tom was like, okay, we're, it's going to be from behind. <laughs> so we weren't facing each other. <laughs> yeah, we had to adjust. That would be Tom Verica, our producer yes, director. Yes, Tom Verica, who, yes. of course, is an actor and not only was like, the show must go on, but figured out a way to film it. Yep. Yeah, so I was supposed yeah. to get on top of G on the conference wooden table. We were supposed to make out and have sex and then he walked in and he was like, I'm so sorry, I have a cold sore. So I remember Tom being like, oh, it's okay. He can just flip you around and the whole thing just happens from behind. <laughs> I was like, okay. And we did it. What season was that? Was that like season three? I don't even remember. I, don't, I think it's four. Three or four, or maybe I have four. no idea. We'll get there. Uh, yeah. We will be back with more after the break. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of our favorite Netflix series, Bridgerton. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? And meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. And I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. We also forgot to talk about the scene with you, me, and George Newbern, Katie. I love that scene. When I have him taped up and I'm about to shoot him after he gives us gives me the name of the mole. And then Katie walks in with this beautifully like done hair and like hot lipstick. Did you notice that? You were like all made up. Well, that was the thing. <laughs> One of the things that you do really notice is how shiny it is. Like the whole yes. show is super shiny. Like everybody's outfits are really clean and pressed and they always yeah. look neat. And even after sex, like Fitz's shirts are crisp and they come yeah. on well. And, and Katie looked like, oh, so just come cloth. off like guest hosting Good Morning America. My hair was just had come out of a set of rollers. <laughs> 
you literally looked like you were guest hosting with uh, <laughs> Ryan Seacrest. Ryan Seacrest, yeah. It was too much. I look better on this show than that, honestly. Like, I was like, <laughs> also, I mean, somebody, I think I've gotten better at acting since then. My God, it is hard for me to sometimes watch these scenes. I'm like, what am oh, I me doing? Like, why you am I? You are so good. You're so high on stupidity. That's all in your head. We all it do is. that to ourselves. Oh it's my God. in your I head. Like, Nobody's thinking that. A, how much chapstick lip gloss could I possibly have on? B, <laughs> why am I talking like that? Like, why can't I just talk normal? Like, what is happening? I just am <laughs> over the top acting and thank God Shonda and Betsy didn't kill Quinn off because I was like, I am a failure. (laughs) You're hysterical. You're such a weirdo. Like, you're so good. And the whole point is Quinn was, from the moment you meet her, she's overeager. She's performative. She's She puts that out there. That's the whole point. The same way Huck is, you know, a semi-vegetable half the time until he comes alive (laughs) murdering people. I mean, what's great is you get to know Huck is you go, it's almost like there's a trigger that was built into him Mm. that at a particular point he has to kill. Like this is all Mm. he was good for. Oh, that's And the characters, what's great to me is as you watch the show progress over the seasons, everybody really knows how to write for the characters as they, you all pivoted as your characters would change. That's the most incredible thing. So no shit talking about one's performance. Right, about Quinn, messy. yep. I say That's that to right. people all the time. I feel really lucky. Like, I think a lot of times if you're if you're an actor and you're lucky enough to land lightning in a bottle, when you do or if you do, most of the times the character you book is how they stay for seven years. Like, especially on a sitcom or especially, like, it is very rare for your character to change. Right. And that's what I thought was so awesome about Scandal was like I got to do the craziest shit in the whole world and if you had showed me Quinn season 5, 6, 7 compared to 1, 2, 3 and all the I mean the characters got to do Smelly Melly yeah. season 2 like Melly is she's very self-righteous and she's doing that low bellamy voice and yeah. she's yeah. wearing her suit and yeah. she's yeah. Yeah, very angry about everything. Yeah. Yeah. And then you think about where we got to, where you have, yeah. and so yeah. much of it to me in terms of the writing is about, I've always said about this company, about what Shonda creates and the writers, everybody's three-dimensional. As you start to get to know a character, you think you know them, and then something comes out either in flashback or backstory or their Achilles heel, and everything changes about how you feel about those characters. and. Yeah. To the point where, you know, Olivia Pope brains the vice president with a chair. <laughs> That's right. Oh and you're kind of like, God. he had it coming. Well, and also even Fitz killing Verna, like all that shit was like, what? Yeah. How about the season where Fitz was just a drunk? Like just yeah. a mean yeah. fucking oh, yeah. drunk. Sure. He's like awful to yeah. Melly. He's After he got shot. I was yeah. post bullet head. Yeah. He's also like, you meet his dad and you understand the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Barry Boswick. <laughs> like, oh, the poor Barry Boswick. I mean, he was like the robber bridegroom on Broadway. Oh. And there he was, just being terrible. But yeah, no, it's those layers and depth and the fact that very often the plot, which is so incredibly engaging and involving, reveals not only another plot point that either traumatizes or changes the way that you operate as characters, but reveals something deeper that you didn't know existed, which then Mm. allows the character to keep growing. 
it's really cool and incredibly layered. We felt very, mm-hmm. very, very lucky to do that. Wait, so fortunate. before we let you go and we're going to read some tweets at the time, was there any of like your favorite memories that come to mind? Like meeting me and Katie for the first time. Well, I'd met you, know. you before, Gamma, so I was so excited I, to see you again because it was like a creepy uh, reunion. Where, where did I, like, you first meet? He was in 200 Cigarettes, which was the first movie I produced, and... Guillermo was hysterical and really, really good in the movie. It's like a cult underground. Like Betsy Beers is the coolest. It's okay. loved. People love that. It's such a great movie. So I loved Guillermo. Like, and Guillermo did me The Ultimate Solid, which we talked about in the podcast, which is... Yes. It's a long story, but he ended up playing Angie Featherstone in the back of a cab, so I wouldn't have to dye my hair carrot orange and do a double for her because she wasn't with us anymore. She hadn't died. She just had to go on to another job. But... <laughs> I remember distinctly like being really excited to see Guillermo and I'd met you a couple of times, Katie, because we came really close to casting you twice before. And we also had, you'd been, you were in Grey's Anatomy too, weren't you? Yeah. And private practice. Yeah. And I remember Shonda said, you get to call Guillermo and tell him he got the part because you know him and you love him. So I got to call Guillermo. I didn't know that. Yes, yes, yes. I remember that. So yeah. So I got to call Guillermo, but you know, there's so much, the casting process was really fun. I don't know if they're all of these weird because we all we all would hang out together too. Sometimes yes. I would I would see you all. Oh, but yeah. We yeah. went to upfronts together. We went, went to upfronts oh, yeah. together. I remember. Do you remember the Saks Fifth Avenue window thing? Yes. The oh, best. my God. We were mannequins. We took over <laughs> yes. Saks Fifth Avenue and they had Saks Fifth Avenue hosted. I think it was Lynn Palo was the costume or brilliant costume designer who worked with a lot since. And we sort of took over Saks. We had this big party and. There were all of these scandal mannequins with clothes on yep. in the Saks window, and all the actors climbed into the windows and stood next yeah. to their mannequins. And we couldn't get out of like a hotel without bringing you guys through the kitchen. It was yes, insane. Yes, we walked through so many kitchens. We walked through so many kitchens <laughs> in those days. So I, I remember like all of those times. The table reads I remember really, really well. And I remember realizing when the show was going to hit and sitting everyone down because we'd been through it with Grey's Anatomy. I remember sitting down with y'all and basically saying, okay, so your lives are going to change and you have to be prepared for the fact that it's going to get really weird. And Katie was like, what do you mean? (laughs) Oh yeah. I was like, what? What are you talking about? This is what I remember though. You guys being so giving and saying like, if you need anything, if something happens, like you get yes, a fender bender, always. like all this shit, you yeah, call, call me, us. call yeah. me. Yeah. I don't want to find out Monday morning and the train, yeah. like, you know, you guys had already been through a hit happening on Grays and it's skyrocketing so quickly. I think the greatest thing that happened to Scandal with it's a, it was a little bit more of a slower burn that people got turned on to the show. Like it was like it built. It was season two. Yeah, it was season two. It was like two. you had season one under your belt. But the weirdest yeah. thing about it was because it didn't shoot out like a cannon when we started. The weirdest thing was you were already used to it being fine to do whatever you wanted to do. You were going into like Loman's dressing rooms. So what everybody needs to know is like their Loman's was the store where you went in. There were communal dressing rooms. They had them in New York and different stores. And yeah. if you're from the East Coast, you're really used to this. Yeah. And we found out as the show was becoming gigantic that Katie was still going into Loman's <laughs> in the public dressing room and changing her clothes. And I remember specifically saying, Katie, you can't go in the public dressing rooms anymore. Nope. Because you're going to end up in your brawn panties. People's going to take photos of me in your underwear. On the intranet. Yeah. 
No, thank God interwebs. he said something to me. I was like, <laughs> I think things are starting to get weird. Damn. <sighs> the sales you missed. The sales, the sales I missed. Tweets at a time, y'all. Tweets at a time. Let's do some tweets at a time, y'all. Betsy is the best improv artist. And Whistler, apparently. Wait, Betsy, did you join the Twitter for this show like we all did? I'm not on it much anymore, but... I joined the Tweetski for this show specifically, and now I'm not. Yeah. Wait, should I be off Twitter? Yes. Do I need to get off Twitter? Yeah, right? I'm not off. I just don't check it or go on it very much. It's so sad and angry now. I know. Ugh. What I like about these is that it was a real time capsule for what was going on. Like, at official JP, peace and power planet is coming. Me and my brother just had the ill convo trying to figure out who the mole is on hashtag scandal. This fool thinks it's Fitz, LOL. Guys, the mole. (laughs) The damn mole. And then do better, y'all, at Miss Lynn 93 tweeted, wait, what if Hal is the mole? I knew he blinked too much. <laughs> Hashtag scandal. This is a good one. At Sunny Chai tweeted, so I just told a friend that I think Harrison is the mole on scandal. I think she just about passed out. LOL. We both hoping I'm wrong. Here's the thing. People were invested, man. They really were trying to figure out who the mole was. They were so invested. And my favorite line of the episode might be, Quinn was like, if I say the word mole one more time. One more time. Yes. That was so good. (laughs) And you were right. Betsy Beers. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Betsy. This was so much fun. Anytime you just want me on to talk randomly about shit that has nothing to do with anything. We definitely want to have you back on. We should switch the roles and have her host and you and I be the guests on on this podcast. Oh, because she's such a better host than us. Oh, you guys are so full of shit. Your eyes are brown. Um, Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. I didn't have to work for like an hour. This was so great. And now you have so much to do. And next up, we've got the finale of season two, episode two, two, oh, two. Is so good, good. White hats back on, people. And I think we have a very, very, very another very special guest in our back pocket coming. So make sure you tune in, tell your friends, like, subscribe, unpacking the toolbox. Yes. And Guillermo, how do we say it in Espanol? Uh, desempacando la caja de herramientas. Unpacking the toolbox in Espanol. Adios, mm. gladiators. Thank we you, everybody. You Gracias Thank you, a todo el mundo. Thank you. Bye, Betsy. Thank you guys for joining us on Unpacking the Toolbox. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, share with your friends, rate, or leave us a review. Scandal is executive produced by Sandy Bailey, Alex Alche, Lauren Homan, Tyler Klang, and Gabrielle Collins. Our producer and editor is Vince DeJohnny, with music by Chad Fisher. Unpacking the Toolbox is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app or anywhere you subscribe to your favorite shows. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. This season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then, fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd.